0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, and I am excited about another guest today from Illinois. If you've listened to the podcast, you know that I've listened to uh, talk to people from every state, plus D.C., at all levels of government, from school board and borough council like myself to Congress, U.S. Senate, running for governor, state legislatures, even state auditors, more than one. Um, But I'm really kind of excited to come back to... Uh, Illinois, and talk to someone from Chicago. i going to have a really tough question, I think, at the end of this, and I'm looking forward to that I was trying to be creative with. But I know someone trying to create some creative solutions to a lot of really complicated problems. His name is State Representative Cam Buckner. Uh, and Cam, thank you for joining today.
1: Tony, thank you so much for having
0: me. Uh, I have been enjoying your Twitter feed because in spite of, or maybe as a result of the world we live in, you seem uh, pretty upbeat about things, even with all the work you do. Is that a true representation of who you are, or am I getting that wrong?
1: I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad you, you uh you 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 feel that way because that that, that is absolutely uh, how I feel. That's absolutely who, who I am, and I'm I'm glad that it you know I can convey that through uh, my, my messaging. Uh, listen, we we've seen some very very dark times. In two years. Uh, and you know, for, for even for me personally, I um, you know I, I lost my father during this pandemic, mm. uh, but I also uh, had my first child as well, uh, and so it just it's a reminder to me of the circle of life and the fact that uh, things can always be worse, uh, and that you know our obligation as members of the human race is to um, find a way to connect with each other and, and to get through these tough times together.
0: Well, I'm sorry to hear about your father, um, and I'm happy for you to be a father yourself. It's really, despite all the accolades you can get in public life, that's the biggest joy you can have. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and how is your baby doing?
1: He is awesome. Yeah, he, uh, he is uh, just the uh, uh, just turned three months three months old last week, uh, and he's doing fantastic, man. He um he has really changed the way I, I view a lot of things in life. And Tony, the best way for me to, to describe it is the moment. Uh, the first moment I, I held him and looked into his eyes, I realized that uh, most of the things that we fight about uh, in politics in, in civic discourse, most of those things don't matter. Uh, but the things that do matter matter a whole lot, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's put me put some real perspective uh, in play for me.
0: Uh, so that's a really good intro to what I like to ask people about. Is you didn't you you haven't always been in elected office, obviously, um, and you haven't always been in government. Did you get your perspective on the importance of government from your father, from the news around you, from elections? I mean, it's not like Chicago, your part of Chicago specifically, hasn't elected some noteworthy people. So, um, when did you become aware and concerned and active in political life? You know, it's
1: funny you, you asked that. So, my, my family uh, was not uh, hyper political at all, there wasn't a lot of. Uh, political talk uh, in my home, you know, around the dinner table, or um, you know, as, as we kind of move through our everyday life. But um, Chicago being a very hyper political place, uh, there was always politics uh, around me in one way, shape, form, or or another. Um, you know, I, I think that I it wasn't until, until I was older that I, that I realized that you know maybe I had taken for granted the fact that I had grown up. Uh, and lived in such a politically charged atmosphere. Uh, you mentioned the, the people who come from Chicago, um, you know, the, the politicians who uh, have some some national uh, and international noteworthiness. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up uh, in a, in an area, in a neighborhood, in a community um, that uh, you know uh, was um, the same community that the hero Washington, the first Black mayor of Chicago, came from. Uh, the community that Barack Obama moved to when he came to Chicago and decided to start his his career, um, we were this, the community that sent the first African American woman to the U.S. Senate, Carol Moseley Braun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so th- there's a there's a lot there, uh, and I think that my parents, both both being public servants, me and a, a law enforcement officer from my father, and a, and a teacher from my mother, um, you know, they 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 kept us uh, engaged and involved in, in civics to a certain extent, but not necessarily politics. Uh, But I think I knew at a very early age that uh, politics was, was, and government was something that was important to me, uh, and it just kind of became a part of my journey.
0: And part of your journey was you did work with uh, U.S. Senator Dick Durbin, who I'm a big fan of, partly because someone I know who worked for Senator Casey now works for him. Um, Was that something, was that a goal for you to kind of work in that kind of level of office and do that, or just kind of plumb luck?
1: It it, kind of just happened. Uh, I was uh, started off as a as a intern in Senator Durbin's office um, during my junior the summer of my junior year in college, Uh, and I I really only applied for the internship because um, I was uh, I I had a football I I was a football player in college and and I had a football injury, Uh, and so my my summer plans were a little different than they would have been if I were was fully healthy. And I said, you know, I I think I'm going to try to go to D.C. and and find somebody to work work for. Uh, And so I took a, initially took an internship with the Child Welfare League of America, doing some advocacy work uh, for, you know, for for, uh, child-based policy and and legislation. Uh, And that was great. Uh, But then I kind of parlayed that into the internship with Senator Durbin. And, you know, I fell in love with with the Capitol. I fell in love with um, uh, the Senate and the entire kind of apparatus there. Uh, and I guess I did a, a, a decent enough job for the senator to offer me a job once I was done with college, uh, the, the, the following year. Uh, but no, it wasn't. You know, it was it was serendipity uh, to, to say the least. It, it was not planned, and I'm just uh, extremely grateful that it happened the way it did.
0: So, Jeez. from your experience in doing that, like I had a great experience in college with a news station, for example. Um, young people in college, I think, don't realize the opportunities that are available to them. How would you encourage some young people who are in public—I mean, in, in college, even high school—to um, learn about or participate in those kind of opportunities? That obviously, for you, could be life-changing. Yeah, listen,
1: those those opportunities um, are plentiful. They're they're everywhere, and and folks are always looking for good help. They're looking for young folks to come in and um, even you know do some jobs that may that may initially seem seem menial or, or small. Uh, but it really gives you a good feel of kind of where your power is, where your passion lies, and maybe what your what your calling is. Um, it was, you know, in, in very short order for me when I spent my time on Capitol Hill as a college uh, intern that I realized that I wanted to be in, in, in that space, that I wanted to be um, in the legislative and in the, in the policy space. It, it's what really pushed me over the edge to to go to law school is what pushed me over the edge to remain involved in politics and engaged in in civic and government life. Uh, and so I, I would say to young people, listen, if, if you see an opportunity, take it. Uh because the worst thing that can happen is that you can just, you know, figure out what you don't want to do, uh, which is also a great thing, thing mm-hmm. to to understand. Uh but the best thing that can happen is that, is that you can have a a pathway to what your passion is. Uh and, and once you once you once you get that um you're really you're really cooking
0: so you ended up later, a few years later, um, getting a pathway to become a state legislator. I know you had some other experience in private sector as well, but um, you know in Chicago is a place that I'm sure there were plenty of other Democrats that could have become the state rep in your area, right? I don't know their qualifications. What made you think that not only is this a direction for me, but I'm the guy who should do it? What was it that kind of drove you to to that? Because a lot of people think that they should do either federal or state and, you know, it's kind of like Dolph Ziggler in WWE went from being on Raw and now he's on NXT. You know, is that what, what kind of motivated you to think this is the right choice for me?
1: i tell you what, it, it was very, I was not excited uh, about going to the state legislature before I actually ended up in the state legislature. Um, you know, we got to remember, Illinois was coming out for some very tough times. Um, we had a, uh, a, a period of stasis and state government where we had a 793 day budget impasse right. because the, the governor and the state uh, legislature could not get along. Um, my, my colleagues who were there at that time uh, were peppered with coming back to Springfield for summer sessions, uh, you know, two and three days at a time in, in July, and August, September, uh, without getting paid um, because there was no budget. So legislators did not get paid. I had some colleagues who were driving to Uber and picking up side jobs to, to make ends meet. Um, Springfield was a rough place and not much was getting done there. And so it wasn't, uh, attractive to, to me, um, a solutions-based guy to, to want to go there and get, you know, to get bogged down in, in, in the mess there, uh, bogged down in, in the mess there. But, um, you know, in, in 2018, after Governor Prisker, uh, was elected and, we began to kind of fill out the new government, and my predecessor decided to step down. I was really looking to help some of the local um, committeemen. And you know, in Chicago, we have this committeemen situation where I know it's different than most places, but the committeemen uh, fill uh, state uh, legislative vacancies. And I was, you know, trying to help them find somebody because it's a very nuanced district. Uh, it's about 50% black, 50% white almost. Um, it encompasses many historic black neighborhoods in Chicago, like Bronzeville and, and, and Woodlawn, uh, where the University of Chicago uh, is adjacent to. But also, uh, I've got the Central Business District and River North and some of the most uh, affluent zip codes in the state or in the region uh, in the district as well. So uh, it had to be somebody who could understand community and understand business, what understand labor and the faith-based community. Um, and as I was trying to help find who this person would be, you know, it hit me totally. I said, maybe this guy is me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe my experiences uh, and my understanding uh, and the way I've been able to maneuver through through uh, life and the experiences that I've been having uh, are what makes me right for this. And so, it, it once again, this is another thing that was serendipity. Uh, it wasn't planned. It wasn't something that, that was on my mind. Uh, but I'm uh, extremely grateful that it happened the way it did.
0: So, it's kind of like how Dick Cheney got chosen to be George Bush's vice president in 2000. So... In a way, you're calling yourself Illinois' Dick Cheney, right?
1: <laughs> I, I will not repeat
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously. Um, so it's interesting. I talk, you, you talk about all those different communities in Chicago. There are dozens of different neighborhoods, right? At least like a couple blocks, and it's very different. And the, the Chicago experience is not the same from neighborhood to neighborhood, is it?
1: It's not. Yeah, Chicago officially has uh, 77 uh, official community areas. Right, and within those areas, there's a bunch of micro communities and mm-hmm. micro neighborhoods, uh, somewhere to the tune of about 300 neighborhoods in, the, in this entire city. And and you're right, block by block, it differs. Uh, and so it's a very it's a very interesting and, and, and nuanced place from from that standpoint.
0: I talked with uh, Councilman Matt Martin from Chicago a few months ago, and uh, we were actually talking a lot about infrastructure and how it was a big deal. But we were talking about people's perspectives of Chicago from outside of it because I know I mean you hear it all the time, I bet. Uh, from people who aren't from Illinois who will talk about gun violence, policing etc, something I, things I know you're passionate about and they will kind of lump all of Chicago together. Why are they wrong?
1: They're wrong because Chicago is probably um, one of the most diverse cities in, in this country. Um, there are uh, you know things that uh, that, that, that happen in, in this town. Um, that, you know, just really set us apart, I think, from, from, from most places. And uh, no Chicago experience is uh, identical to any other Chicago experience. We, we, we've got, you know, some some very strong ethnic enclaves here. Uh, we've got a, a black community that um, really was a predecessor here to, to the Harlem um, Renaissance, right? So, so places like Bronzeville, the neighborhood I live in, uh, that's very steeped in history and culture. Uh, it's where, you know, the, the, the blues and, and jazz, they weren't born here, but they were um, catapulted here. It's where, you know, Louis Armstrong decided to move when he left New Orleans. Um, it really was the, the center of, of black culture. And then you've got places like, um, you know, on the northwest side of Chicago. People don't realize this, uh, but Chicago has the second largest Polish population hmm, out of nice. any place, not in the country, in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and, and so... Um, you know, we, we've got strong Latino uh, communities, uh, a very vibrant um, uh, Asian-American community. Chicago is a little bit of everything. And I know, um, you know, I, I spent some time in, lived in the city of New Orleans. And the, the best way I could describe Chicago, even though this is not a, a um, Chicago-based term normally, but Chicago is gumbo, man. Mm-hmm. It's gumbo and it's a little bit of everything, a little bit of everybody.
0: And, you know, I think that's really interesting because when I talked to Matt Martin about it, he was saying, you know, the gun violence that people talk about in Chicago, again, that's not exactly the same. Like, And you have gun violence in Philly. I'm from near Philly. It's in any city. But it's not the same react, lived experience from one community to another one of the 70-plus communities in in Chicago. So, you know, how it's responded to, how police respond to it, how legislators respond to it, is probably not um, not all the same. It's
1: not. It's not. And people like to, to lump the city into one, as you said, one kind of one, one 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 category. Uh, but there, there's so much, you know, um, so much nuance and difference between each neighborhood, each community, uh, each block. Honestly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that's part of the beauty of of, of this place.
0: And I just, an elected official myself in a small, much smaller town, obviously. Um, I find that even in my little town, like the blocks are different. Like, if I can walk to a block of like five minutes away and it's very different from where I live in my street. Um, now, I saw some really interesting things that you've been working on, on policing and accountability, including, if I get this right, that there were some things with the police recording people and then you passed a uh, law to stop them from rec- going recording what private citizens were doing. Am I getting, getting the gist of that, right? Like what was going on there?
1: So that, that, that was uh, a, a bill that was part of a, a larger package of, you know, trying to create some, some synergy and some, um, some trust between communities and and police about, uh, but I think maybe the one that, that may be a, maybe I remind also is that um, there was a, a Chicago Tribune, Report that came out mm-hmm. that that uncovered uh, that uh, folks who signed up to speak at Chicago Police Department board meetings uh, were had background checks ran on them, had social media uh, dossiers um, compiled on them, uh, and they were, uh, for lack of a better term, intimidated in many ways uh, f- from not um, speaking out at these meetings. And, and, and these the people the people who you know, were investigated just simply trying to um, voice their, their their First Amendment right um, and freedom of speech uh, w- Ranged from, you know, uh, not just folks who have been accused of crimes, right, but folks who were victims of crimes. Uh, one of these people uh, that was, uh, you know, underwent this, this, this kind of investigatory process was a woman who had claimed uh, to have been uh, sexually assaulted by a police officer while on duty. Uh, and so, to send her, and people like her, through that type of arduous and onerous uh, kind of you know Orwellian process well, was really something that, that I didn't think was right. People should have the opportunity and the freedom to speak to their bodies of government, to speak to um, the, the, the folks who make the rules in, in their in their community, uh, without fear of reprisal and, mm-hmm. and without uh, being threatened to you know with, with, with whatever action. Comes with what was going on there, and so uh, you know there 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 are, there are a number of things that we've tried to do recently to to once again create a better relationship between communities, specifically communities of color, uh, and and the police department. And I think we'll continue to to go down that road.
0: Do you see things improving, or do you see some rules that can change that may be a benefit not just for Chicago but for other cities? Because you know that kind of trust. Is an issue. I mean, sometimes in both directions, I guess, from the community to the police, and police not being leery of trusting others. Um, not necessarily. It's fair in every direction, of course. But do you see things that will make a difference and make you hopeful?
1: I do. I do, and, and I, I am. I am totally committed in in my role uh, to making sure that that we are leading the charge on this. Um I. I, I I very often say, Tony, that um, Chicago and Illinois doesn't need an example on how to get it right. We should be the example on how to get it right. Um, mm-hmm. We should be the example to the to the rest of the country on how constitutional community policing looks. We should be the example up to the rest of the country on how we support um, and uh, and you know give credence to the men and women who are sworn to protect the service and who are doing it the right way. Uh, there, there's a way to, to, to make it work. And honestly, as a, as a young man, uh, you know, who grew up as a black boy in Chicago uh, who had some unfortunate run-ins that, that were not fair, uh, but also as a, as a person who grew up with a, a law enforcement officer uh, in his home and, and and many of them in his family, uh, I, I get the balance that, that we've got to strike. And so uh, hopefully there's some things on the horizon that, that makes Illinois the, the tip of the spear.
0: Now you talk about balance, and I want to bring back to what you were talking about before, where there was a lot, of, there was an imbalance in, in Illinois government, and like you said, they couldn't get things done. There was a budget impasse that lasted seven hundred plus days. There was a very a pretty right wing governor, right, with Bruce Rauner, and now you have Jamie Pritzker, and I I like Ann Caprera, who uh, I used to know from Philly area. Um, so I'm glad that he uh, tolerates her philly sports fandom
1: um yeah and is the, is the hugest eagles eagles fan this this side of uh, Pennsylvania
0: <laughs> okay maybe on that side i know some people but she's awesome i love her so um but you know you were talking about people not getting paid so there was a the big stalemate but you said, say a solutions person um you wouldn't compromise all of your values when someone is diametrically opposed on your issues, right? Like, how do you become a solutions person um, when with that kind of government? Because most places, if you're a Democrat and state government, you have to negotiate with the other side. So, uh, what would be your recommendation on how you can be a solutions-based person, like everyone wants to be, and not compromise away your values?
1: That's that's a great question. And listen, I, I think the, um, the 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 true north in that. In that scenario, situation, uh, really is, is not something that I made up. Uh, it 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 comes from a book that many of us have read, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's The Four Agreements. Right, um, and I and I think being uh, not taking things personal, uh, which is one of those agreements, is extremely important in in that space. Right, not not compromising, um, and, and trying to find a way to get to yes instead of getting stuck at no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really based on the fact that you know th- we, we are all trying to pull in the same direction even though we may have different um, different ways that, that, that we do that. Uh, the end result needs to um, be the, the key to, to us and, and you can't do that if you take things personally. You can't do that uh, if you internalize disagreements uh, and and don't you know uh, embrace, trying to get to a solution. So that, I think that that's the biggest thing, is not to take things personally and, well, and to work through it.
0: Well, you said we're trying to get to the same solutions, but we're not, right? Like, you have a a one-party government in Illinois that I think a lot of people in the country would love to have, right? Um, and, you know, one-party rule in different states is not the same. i talked to someone from Hawaii who shocked him, who... You know, they have one Republican in office and they're there. You would think that they are passing the most liberal legislation possible and they're not. And are other places with, you know, all Republicans and maybe it's not that conservative, but they're not like it's, Republican state legislatures are more um, ideological than Congress in a lot of ways. So what they want to do are things that would go backwards on LGBT rights, environmental rights, et cetera. Like, do you see that that path diverging from what one party's trying to do on a state level and the other parties are doing on other states almost like there's two americas depending on who controls the states
1: well yeah so i think that yeah, let me be clear i think that 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 that, that, that is true. i think um the perception that, that i that i have is that there there are two americas depending on who's in in charge um you know when I when i talk about having the same um the, the, the same want and desire to get to a, a solution. You know, I, I, I don't mean that in a way where we're talking about the folks who want to encroach on, once again, LGBTQ Q rights, mm-hmm. um, folks who want to take us back. Um, you know, I, I, I mean that in a way that when I, I'm having conversations with my Republican colleagues, uh, about public safety, mm-hmm. about how to make sure that people in the state of Illinois are, are safe and not under siege, um, I think we all want people to be safe, but I think that we have different ideas on how to get there. And for that particular um, um, instance, right? right. Uh, I've got colleagues who think that you lock more people up, you have more penalty enhancements, uh, and we'll be safer. Um, I of the mindset that that's not the way to be safer. I am the mindset that you have to invest communities in communities and find ways to prevent violence in the first place, right? Uh, and so I think there's a little bit to be able to, to, to take from, from, you know, those type of conversations. But uh listen, the things that are going to disenfranchise people, things that are gonna put people uh, who have fought for freedoms that they uh that they that they deserve, um, it's gonna put them uh in a in a place of, of regression. We've got to fight that tooth and nail and, and no matter what um we think that the 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 goal of the other side is, um we've got to put a flag in around and, and not allow it that to happen.
0: Yeah, so I think that in terms of you compromising on your values, you know, you might say hell freezing over, which brings me to my tough question for you, because I was thinking about this you know, hell froze over in twenty sixteen, um, and not just in terms of who won the election, but the Cubs won the World Series. And I know you're a big Cubs fan. Right after that, like days after that, Donald Trump wins the election, does all the things that he has done a worldwide pandemic happens. He's impeached twice, including because of an insurrection. Now, some people would point to that and say maybe cosmically the Cubs winning the World Series led to all of these things happening. <laughs> would you trade the Cubs World Series if it was the to to flip everything that's happened in the last few years? Well, that's a that's
1: a tough one, Tony. So let me let me start off by saying this. I um I. I... I'm a Cubs fan, um, but that is a that is a newer phenomenon for me. I grew up on the South Side of Chicago. I grew up a White Sox fan. I, I learned to love the game of baseball uh, by watching the White Sox. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you. Sometimes I tell people that uh, I grew up indoctrinated by what I call the Gospel according to Harold. There's Harold Washington, the first Black mayor of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Harold's Chicken, which is a very famous Chicago. Food staple, and then there's Harold Baines, who played for the Chicago White Sox and was my favorite player growing up as a kid. Um, however, uh, I, I did uh, switch allegiances. I never, I never jettisoned the, the White Sox, right? But I did switch allegiances when I when I came uh, to work for the Cubs. Um, that World Series in 2016 was, was incredible and, and amazing, and it meant so much to this city and so much to so many people who have been waiting for 108 years for a Cubs World Series. Um, but as good as that was, uh, I think 2016, uh, the election of 2016, and, and the things that flowed from that were, were very detrimental uh, to this nation and this country. And so, if uh, if I had to pick one, if I had to give up the World Series, uh, I, I think I would uh, to to have some normalcy uh, in our in our federal government. Because uh, I think that you know we we had some detrimental stuff happen, but you know the, the, the thing is that I think that sorry, I think, that, sorry. Mm-hmm. I, think okay. um, I think the thing is that uh, hopefully the Cubs can win another one. I, I, I'm banking on the Cubs Sox World Series in the next five years here, and so uh, we could trade that that the the, the, the 2016 World Series for uh, the next one that's coming.
0: <laughs> so you think that they would flip it and like it would undo that karma if they won another one? I, I, let's hope so yeah well that was a good answer because i mean i know from working in politics how much like i remember working in iowa and there was a governor's election and both of them had to give a, an answer to who they wanted between iowa and iowa state and both of them basically said i hope no one gets hurt like that was the only answer they gave so kudos <laughs> to you now you you want people to to win obviously like in sports elections but you need people to run with all the things you've seen, both in D.C. and in um, in state government, why would you encourage people to run for office right now, given all of the challenges you've seen that can be very overwhelming?
1: Because it's not just noble, Tony. It's necessary. Um, the only way that our formal government continues is, is, is if we continue to feed it uh, with people who have a diversity of understanding, a diversity of intellect, a diversity of experience, um, and who can... Uh, take their lived experiences and transform them to uh, a, a, a better road ahead for, for all of us. Uh, listen, if, if you want to continue to get the same thing you've always gotten, uh, then you do nothing and, and you keep things the way they are. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm confident uh, and I'm hopeful that the future is really bright for all of us, not just in Illinois and Chicago, but throughout this country. Um because we've had some very tough times recently, but uh, the way we usher ourselves into our, our new future into, and, 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 and to the reality that we deserve is only going to happen if the people who have the best interests of folks uh, at heart will step up. Uh, it's a responsibility. It's an obligation. We all got a role to play. So if you're thinking about it, I, I would say um, do it. Do it, do it, do it, because we need it in order for our form of government to continue.
0: And lastly, as someone who has seen the effects on a federal and state level, and local, considering what you've done uh, in the committees and the neighborhoods in Chicago, um, so many people look at politics as just being what Joe Biden did or Donald Trump did, or maybe what the Senate did. Um, How would you and why would you encourage people to get involved in these more local races? Not just for state house, not even running, just being involved. Um, what would be? Why would you stress that the importance of those things over just watching what happens on CNN?
1: Well, we know the great, the great um, quote that the Tip O'Neill quote that everybody likes to to repeat that all politics is, is local, uh, but it really is. Mm-hmm. It really is. And The truth of the matter is, um, you know, there are things that happen at the federal level uh, that you know don't affect people on, on a kind of granular basis. Um, there are things that happen at the state level that affect people a little bit more, but, that you know, you don't see any change in everyday life. Uh, the, the real power, the real meat of this thing is that, you know, the municipal level, at, at the city council level, at the mayor level, um, at the school board level. Uh, in, in Chicago, we've got, you know, a bunch of uh, elected offices like the Water Reclamation District. These people uh, really fight for environmental justice in, in ways that, um, you know, uh, affect communities for, for the long haul. Um, you know, the, the the things like the, the Flint water crisis or, um, you know, some of the, the, the school curriculum conversations we've been having, these things can be effectuated at the local level. Uh, and so that's why people, as you said, not only need to get out and run for these things, but to keep these folks accountable, to be a part of the democratic process. Democracy is a verb, and we've got to remember that uh, and, and that that means engaging and involving and energizing and informing the people who are making decisions for us at the, you know, at the, at the level that's closest to us.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate what you're doing on those local levels. Um, Cam, before I go, if people are interested in following you, learning more and hopefully getting encouragement from you, cause I've certainly gotten that what's the best ways for people to follow you and learn more.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm on, uh, Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Rep, R-E-P, Cam, K-A-M, Buckner, B-U-C-K-N-E-R.
0: Yeah, and I highly recommend it. Cam does bring a positivity that sometimes can seem rare in politics right now with everything going on. But I think, you know, compared to a few years ago, what's going on in Chicago and Illinois deserves some positivity. Um, Thank you, Cam. I really appreciate it. I learned a lot. And um, if you're listening, I hope that you'll be inspired and run for office, too.
1: Thanks, honey. You're the best, man. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: All right. Good luck out there. All right. You
1: too. Bye.